Classic. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. As a people-driven brand, True Classic believes that the clothes you wear should make you feel confident and comfortable so you can show up as the best version of yourself every day. This is your one-stop shop for all your wardrobe essentials. Their shirts have a premium fit that's tighter in the shoulders and biceps with that extra boost of confidence from t-shirts and polos to activewear, denim, button-downs, hoodies, joggers, boxer briefs, and everything in between. They have everything you need. Time to upgrade your wardrobe today. Companies have been overcharging their customers for years. True Classic sells premium clothing without charging a premium price. High-quality clothing shouldn't cost a fortune. Get comfortable, get going, and upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com using code DOINK. Free shipping is included on purchases over $100. 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. You can't go wrong. It looks good. It feels good for a reason. It's True Classic. Hey, everyone. You know Brennan and Eric take football very seriously. But there's something we should be taking even more seriously, and that is your mental health. Some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy. But that could not be further from the truth. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. One of the biggest advantages of BetterHelp is how quickly you can start talking to a licensed professional. If you have looked for a therapist in the area, you can you know it's, it can even take weeks or even months just to find someone that you're comfortable talking to. With BetterHelp, it can take as little as 48 hours and it is easy to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash podcast. And we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and interview the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. Really cool episode for you today. We're talking strictly Philadelphia Eagles with my man, my friend, returning guest. He is the anchor of 6 p.m. news for ESPN Sports Center. Kevin Agandhi is with me. Kevin, what's going on? Brendan, how are you, man? We've had some time to kind of let it wear off, but I don't think uh, – I don't know about you, but I can't watch the game. I, I was there. I was lucky to be there with my family. Phenomenal experience, but uh, I, I had somebody hit me up uh, earlier this week, and they were like, man, the mistakes we made, and he had the TV on. I was like, yeah, I can't. I can't yeah. watch it. I, I don't think I'm going to – I don't think I'm going to be able to bring myself to watch that for a very long time, if ever. I dissected the game like two days after and then I put it to bed, been trying to put it to sleep. Have you ran into like the, the funniest part about like the, your team being in the Super Bowl is, and especially when it's a good game, is the amount of like non-Eagles fans that come up to you and go, it was such a great game. Like it was so entertaining. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, for you. <laughs> like, And considering where I work, Brendan, I, I, so I'm with a lot of smart sports people uh, and their, their fandom is, you know, Throughout, so it, it doesn't matter what team they they love just following sports because mm-hmm. that's why we're at ESPN. Yeah. I've run into so many people who come up to me and first off make sure I'm okay, like somebody died, mm-hmm. which I which I I'm actually like wow you like I'm I'm handling it much better than you think, <laughs> and. They say, God, but it was such a good game. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what I've heard. It was a good game because the entire time you're a part of it, you're not thinking it's a good game. You're thinking, how do we get the lead or how can we get this stop? And the consensus of everybody I've talked to, whether you're, you know, a fan of the Eagles or not, I think what everybody wanted to see was Jalen Hurts with the ball with a minute 20 to go regardless of the outcome like and I think 
if you polled the entire city of Philadelphia, they'd be okay if they lost the game with the awareness that Jalen Hurts had the opportunity to do something with a minute 20. And that's literally the one thing we, I think everybody that was invested in that game as a fan, a general sports fan wanted to see, except the Chiefs. I always, I've been saying there's not a doubt in my mind that Jalen Hurts gets the ball back with a minute, or I think it was like, yeah, just a minute 20 left. He's either kicking a field goal, and I think the more likely outcome is that they're leading a touchdown drive. They still had a timeout left. Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind. I'm not saying the penalty was the reason they lost because they no. been in that situation to begin with. No. There were many unforced errors on their end. The Eagles lost, didn't lose because of the field, didn't lose because of the penalty. They lost just because they kind of beat themselves in the game. Um, they couldn't get one stop. That's all they wanted, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, Orlovsky did a great job. I was with, uh, you know, my one of my sons and my cousin uh, when, it, when it happened before the punt uh, where the Chiefs had the big return. And I said to my cousin, why are we throwing the ball on third and two? I just could not understand that. And Orlovsky did a good job with explaining that as well. And that's where the, the game fell apart. But Gannon couldn't make a stop, completely fooled by the jet motion, didn't have any adjustments the second time it happened as well. Mm-hmm. I, I just – that's the frustrating part. The Eagles had the opportunity. We wanted to see Jalen Hurts perform uh, with the, the pressure on. And I will tell you uh, – when there was a TV timeout, Jake Elliott had come out, and you, you're seeing this stuff TV, you're watching commercials, but Jake Elliott had come out to the 50-yard line while the Chiefs had the ball and everybody's on the field, but the timeout was continuing. And Jake Elliott was envisioning a kick from literally inside 50 yards. And I turned to my cousin, and I was like, if we get the ball and he gets the opportunity to kick a – 58 yard field goal I said he's gonna make it he's right now envisioning it he literally walked through looked at the goal post and did the wind up like three times during that timeout and then went back to the sideline mm-hmm. I'm like he's literally envisioning and we're gonna go to overtime mm-hmm. and um we didn't have that opportunity so what was your Super Bowl setup like where'd you watch it who'd you watch it with give me the details I was very lucky. Uh, I was uh, four rows back from the Chiefs painted end zone gotcha. um, with my oldest son and my cousin. And my wife uh, was like right above me with um, she had actually a better view and better seats uh, <laughs> it, with my uh, middle son and my youngest daughter. So we had all great views. She had a much better view from the whole field. Listen, our views were uh, who's complaining about sitting four rows back from, from the field. Uh, the Devonte Smith catch coming right at us, the Nick Bolton fumble return coming literally right at us. Damn. Uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. And honestly, that, that I, I, I say that time and time again, if five years ago, the Super Bowl didn't happen with the Eagles winning, I think I would have been more crushed. This yeah. was about going to experience it with my kids my family, um, and enjoying that experience with them uh, because it's lifetime memories more than anything else, and that's why I fell in love with sports. It, it made me appreciate 2017 a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, so how old's your oldest son? Ten. 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 He so took first, it hard. I guess first heartbreak for the kid, yeah. Yeah, Ten. yeah. You know, we were at the NFC Championship game, and uh, he took it hard at the, at the end of the Super Bowl. He, he, there, was a, there was some tears, and I told him, I was like, hey, man, like, it's normal. You, you can't get everything. 
This yeah. is what happens. This is all about sports. And the best, the best thing I think for anybody that's raising uh, a young kid that's into Philadelphia sports is what Jalen Hurts said afterwards. Just we're going to get better. Mm-hmm. And and I I just paused for a second. I was like, gosh, it, he's a great role model for my sons and my daughter to understand that you, nothing's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to be handed to you. And just when you think. Everything is going well with a 10-point lead and the, the going into halftime. If you don't play the final two quarters, you're going to lose no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's funny. So my first kind of – I was nine, I think, when the Eagles lost to the Patriots in 04. So my, that was kind of when my fandom was beginning. So I, I, my dad said I cried during that. I don't really remember that game too much, but apparently I was really upset. The game that I really remember that was kind of my first heartbreak was 2008. NFC Championship game, yep. Cardinals. That game, like I, th- this loss was tough, and I'm a lot older, of course, and I can process it better. But nothing will beat the 08 heartbreak, in my opinion. The NFC Championship game, Brandon, I, like, uh, that game will that game will live in dread forever in my brain. I, I think about it on like a weekly basis. I've lost my mind. <laughs> I got a fun story to tell you about that, Brandon. I, yeah. I was on SportsCenter at the time, and I walked in the studio, and the Eagles had the lead, and we were live. And, and obviously the defense couldn't stop Kurt Warner on that. And it was in Arizona. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald, man. Larry yep. Fitzgerald just ate our hearts apart. Yes, he did. And I remember the game ended, and we had 25 to 35 minutes of fill time. And I'm on the set with Trent Dilfer and uh, Merrill Hodge. Okay. And it was like I visited my therapist. I just <laughs> unloaded. Like, I got the whole game out of my system and, and it was with, with very objective questions, mm-hmm. hard-hitting questions, going to news conferences, coming back with Trent and Merrill and having a conversation on on the breakdown of the team but and also what Larry did and Kurt did to get them to the Super Bowl. And I walked out of the, uh, out of the studio that day, and I was like, oh, the loss is gone now. I, I've got it all out of my system. <laughs> but I 100% remember everything about that day. What's – so kind of transitioning to this year's team, what's different from the 08 team to this year's team is that 08 team was kind of the last ride, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you had, of course, Don McNabb's future was in question. Brian Dawkins' future was in question. Jim Johnson, unfortunately, passed away a couple months after that game. Um, so that team, like when I was a kid, I didn't, I, I kind of, I still knew that was the end of that era. This, this team, it's not. This is a, a team that can 100% get back to where they were last year. Of course, they're led by Jalen Hurts. AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. I was doing some research on the just the Eagles cap situation the other day, Kevin. Like AJ Brown and Devonta Smith are combining for $13.8 million against the cap next year, which is absolutely insane. The, the way that Howie Rosen's kind of able to maneuver this roster. Um, where do you, I guess, where do you think this team is going? And what are you expecting from this offseason? Uh, I'm first off, I think the offense is ascending. Uh, I think another year with Jalen. Uh, I, I'll be curious what they do at running back uh, with the future of Miles Sanders unknown and knowing how the Eagles always look to kind of refresh that position every four to five years through a second round pick. Um, I'm very curious to see how Howie addresses the defense. Uh, I would think he's going to target Chauncey Gardner Johnson, maybe even franchise tag him if they can't come yeah. up with a deal. I don't uh, think he can leave the building. Like, I think he's got to stay. Like, that should be like, I, Jalen Hurts contract extension, number one priority. Yep. Johnson Gunner Johnson is a close second. 
One hundred percent. I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, I I think they they let Bradbury walk because the value of the price tag. Yep. And then at ten, you target a guy like Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, size wise. Witherspoon out of Illinois. Mm -hmm. Gonzalez out of Oregon. Like, do you target one of these CBs there at ten, and then at thirty one? Um, uh, are you trying to upgrade specifically on the defensive line, right? Because Howie loves doing that. Those Howie loves offensive linemen, defensive linemen, um, and cornerbacks and wide receivers. Do we target those areas? Um, and believe me, like as we've seen, like the Bengals three headed monster, you can't have enough wide receivers, right? So I'd be kind of curious to see what they do specifically uh, at thirty one. But at ten, I, I would I would like to think they're going to target a cornerback or even find a way to to move down a little bit more to get more mm -hmm. uh, collective space here when it comes to assets and and building that defense once again. I feel really good. Uh, I, mm -hmm. It's not like two thousand eight. Mm -hmm. um, I think Sirianni did an incredible job. I think they're going to target defensive linemen again with the rotation. They've got to get a little bit younger there as well. Um, considering all the veterans that they had and they're going to have to find linebackers and, you know, they, they don't put a lot of value at the linebacker position, but I think TJ showed a lot of value TJ Edwards and what he can do. We'll see if that, that changes their approach. So mm -hmm. uh, how I take it, Brendan is I was asked earlier uh, this week on Philadelphia radio, how, how do I view them? Are they Super Bowl contenders? I just said this specifically. How I view this season was win the division. Let's keep on going. Mm -hmm. That's how I view next season. If you win the division, let's find out how far we can go. And that's all I, you can ask for the, the Eagles right now. You can't just say, hey, we're going back to the Super Bowl because people don't understand how tough it is so to hard. get to a Super Bowl, especially coming off a loss. Mm -hmm. So win the division, then build off of that and move forward. So I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said on the defensive side of the ball. I'm assuming Johnson Gardner Johnson can be back. I would be shocked if James Bradbury returns. Um, he's going he's gonna this is his last contract, right? Like he just yep. did the one year deal thing. We were the one year stopgap for him, right? So I don't think he's gonna do that again. The Eagles aren't gonna pay, I think it was a one year $10 million deal for him this year, something like that. They're not gonna do that over a long term deal. He can get that somewhere else. A rookie cornerback is the most likely outcome on the other side of Darius Slay. Darius Slay's do $26 million this year. That's not going to happen. They're going to restructure that. So he'll basically – Darius Slay's locked in for the Eagles for two years in 2023 and 2024. So they need a win – this is the window now, in my opinion, to have a Darius Slay kind of – not replacement, but someone he can grow off of and learn from and, and maybe take the reins as the number one corner at some point. So I, I think that the rookie cornerback thing at number 10 – or I don't – I think they're, there's a lot of people saying they're going to trade down from 10 or trade up. I wouldn't – I wouldn't rule out them just picking at 10. Take mm -hmm. advantage of that Saints pick, right? And then move down from 31 and get out. Because the member – or 30, sorry. Because there's actually – I always forget the Miami Dolphins got the – That's right, 30. Right? You're right. Yeah, so there, it would be pick 30, right? Um, and I don't know – I think it was 2018, right? The Ravens traded back into the first round to get Lamar Jackson. The Eagles traded out of that pick. And that draft turned out to be awesome. You had Dallas Goddard, Avante Maddox, Jordan Maialata. Yep. That entire draft, Josh Sweat. So I, my, my think, I think the most likely outcome for the draft is that they move out of 31, a team, because there's always guys that teams want to jump back into the first round for, get that fifth-year option, quarterback most likely. So I, I think the trade out of 31 is definitely possible. There's a lot of people that are talking 
about drafting a running back in the second or third round. Do you suspect Miles Sanders will be back? I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I price tag wise, how they value the running back position, um, how they used him in the Super Bowl. I mean, he wasn't it, good. He was not good. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the turnover, which they basically uh, overturned, is like one of those. Uh, it was close, you know, too. Like, it was, it was very close. It could have and, been another turning point in that game. It could have been critical. Yeah. So, I, I, don't, I don't think. Uh, I, Listen, he had a fantastic season, over a thousand yards. I think all of us in in the city all all believed that that the potential is like ridiculous on Miles Sanders. Phenomenal talent. Just when are we going to turn the corner? But I don't know if the Eagles' offense is one of those offenses where a primary running back, like the Gainwell, ran hard between the tackles, and that you could see the confidence they had in Gainwell as. As the season went on, he was critical in big, big moments. And uh, that just showed me the confidence that uh, had shifted completely. And then Boston Scott is, is just such a great complimentary back. So I, I don't think Miles Sanders will be back. And, and I, I think it's a, a mutual thing. Miles said the right things. He wants to come back. But, like, if financially, he's got to get paid as well. I don't know yeah. if he will pay, pay him for that the value. Running backs get one contract usually, like after the rookie deal. This is the time for him to go cash in somewhere else. I would be shocked again if Miles Sanders is back. Kai Roseman just never pays running backs. Um, a running back, you you do college football on ABC. Uh, yeah. Is, um, I don't know if you heard this guy. A lot of people talk about B. John Robinson um, as, as a guy <laughs> that the Eagles could take. I got one for you. What about B. John Robinson's backup, Roshan Johnson? Big fan of him. Roshan Johnson also size, Brandon. Yeah, he's, he's a like big guy. Yeah. And he's one of those steals that you can get later in the draft. Yeah. And not a lot of wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was part of the offense at Texas, like they showcased him. I, he was very productive. I, I like a guy like that uh, yeah. where you're going to get value later on in the rounds. I, listen, Bijan's special. Like, mm-hmm. Bijan is really, really good. I just think the way the game has changed so much, you're not going to see, especially the how the Eagles view things, you're not going to see them, uh, you know, take, take a 10th pick while they have other holes uh, at, at a position where they could fill that quickly because they don't they don't believe in giving a back 400 300 400 carries it's just not their philosophy mm-hmm. agreed let's turn over to the coaching stuff because that's probably the most um, hot topic of course with the eagles losing both offensive and defensive coordinators um i want to start on the defensive side of the ball <laughs> so Look, I was never the biggest Jonathan Gannon guy from the start. Um, even last I had a lot of criticisms of him coming into this year. If you look at the advanced analytics from 2021, he was the Eagles defense was bad. Like 25th in defensive DVOA. They were 32nd ranked in the red zone. They were just from top to bottom. The Eagles 2021 defense was bad. Of course, an influx of talent came in and that defense got a lot better. They were sixth in defensive DVOA this year. They were one of the better defenses in the league. First in turnovers or takeaways, I believe. Um, first in sacks, of course, the defensive line eight all season. How much blame do you put on Jonathan Gannon for the Super Bowl? One and two, do you think it's a good thing that he will not be back in 2023? Tough one, I know. I put a lot of blame on Jonathan Gannon, uh, because there were no adjustments made. Like, listen, you could get fooled once on the jet motion, like for the first touchdown. 
the second touchdown's inexcusable. Like it's just it, like, are you kidding me? And I understand the the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes. Um, one incompletion, especially especially the way they finished that first half, and and Mahomes was limping. They were getting to him, even though they weren't sacking him. And I just felt he didn't adjust at all. Here's the thing that that after the game, I talked to a couple really really smart former NFL players. Basically, everything that the Chiefs ran, they were that was off off the Jacksonville tape with Doug week Peterson. Four. Yes, week four, Jamal Agnew scored a touchdown on that exact same play with Doug like, Peterson. Yeah, and I don't understand. Like that should have been a teaching moment from Gannon in week four. That should not have been able to happen. I guess what five months later down the road. It's not hard to follow the and connect the dots. I mean, yeah. Doug Peterson's from the Andy Reid tree. So that that's the thing that gets me. Like this wasn't some, hey, we found something from an obscure play with a coach that has no connection to Andy. It's Doug Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what drives me crazy. They they looked, they looked like they were not prepared. I found it very curious, and I've heard multiple people say Gannon does a phenomenal job as an interview, and he'll be a better head coach as a DC. Great, good, good for him. Yeah, uh, I don't think he could have come back to Philadelphia and recovered after that, uh, just because I, one of the reasons you, you brought it up, one of the reasons why the defense upgraded is because how he got better players. Exactly. Right. And like, so was it really the scheme, or was it just better players uh, on the roster and? in positions that needed to be addressed like cornerback with James Bradbury and getting better defensive backups on that front line. Right. And, and mm-hmm. getting an active uh, linebacker because you're white. Like I, it just, I, I put a lot on Jonathan Gannon. Um, and, uh, and I will be very curious to see what the philosophy is going to be in Philadelphia next, because the people that they brought in for interviews, you're just sitting there and you're like, Hmm, like, it's anti <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, Sean Desai, who's a disciple of Vic Fangio. Let, let, hmm, let's see what kind of approach he may have. And Denard Wilson, where, where's his? Uh, so I'm curious about this hire. What direction they go? Jim Leonard's name was being taught. Jim Leonard was a, pheno- a phenomenal mm-hmm. defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Uh, he, he took his name out of the running. So I, I, I can't wait to see who the next guy is and the philosophy of that next defensive coordinator because i think that plays a huge role i, I was never on board with uh with what john and jonathan gannon had approach wise um and we saw that exposed here in the super bowl when you watch jonathan gannon over the last two years and you compare the numbers against quality quarterbacks not mediocre not quarterbacks fair. yeah the numbers are startling brendan i actually um i actually dug up some of the numbers i'm gonna see if i can pull some right here, just against that kind of quality quarterback. So the list was Dak times three, Mahomes times two, Brady times two, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert. So that's nine games, uh, nine game sample size over two years. Those quarterbacks were 240 for 297, 81% completion percentage and 29 Jeez. touchdowns. Unbelievable. Um, and so just like uh, Dak played against backups in the one week 18 game in 2021. So there's some of that. He also beat Kirk. They beat Kirk Cousins and Trevor Lawrence um, in, in other games, but it was pouring rain against Jacksonville. So there's not like a huge sample size against a good quarterback for the tears for the Eagles, but that is alarming to me. And the way I look at it, and I put, I said on the podcast um, earlier this week, 
I wouldn't have fired Gannon after the Super Bowl. Like, I think it's tough to fire an offensive coordinator after he got you there. Like, I don't think the Eagles were going to do that. But as an Eagles fan and as a guy that follows his team, I feel better with him out the door because it gives it adds some juice to the offseason. It adds a little bit of excitement because you can maybe potentially see this defense getting better because the only way they probably could have got better is schematic changes that weren't going to happen if Gannon was there because the talent level is probably going to be less, right? Like these guys well said. leaving. And you're going to see a lot of influx of youth on this team. Like uh, Nicole Dean's going to have to start. Jordan Davis is going to have to start. Um, they're probably have a rookie corner like we talked about. Reed Blankenship could even be a safety starter. He's only 20. He's going to be 24 years old when the season kicks off. So I think Gannon out the door was better than, I guess, the other scenario where Gannon was staying and they would have to rebound. Well said. Well said. And Al, I had one thing from that game. How the heck does Travis Kelsey get a one-on-one against Epps to score that touchdown when you know 87's – everybody knows 87's getting – Yeah. <laughs> There's just certain things where you're like – and another, I don't know if you remember this play, another kind of underrated play in this game that I think a lot of people have talked about. Second and eight, Eagles needed a stop. It was about three, four minutes left. And Travis Kelsey gets a free release off the line, does a quick hitch route, eight-yard gain. It was third and inches. Next play, Isaiah Pacheco runs 50 yards down the field. Yep. Like, it was um, – they never got in Kelsey's face. There was no, like, just kind of plan to stop him. It, he was – completely out coach and I even you were pantsing as a, as a kid you used to get pants on recess Andy Reid pants John again in every recess. 100% 100% agree with you okay um I guess last question um for you um what do you what do you make of the hurt situation how much money should they give them how long should they give them where is Hurts in the hierarchy of quarterbacks for you? Just give me what your thoughts are on uh, the franchise quarterback going forward. I, I think that, that's the one thing you walk away with. We got a quarterback, right? The Eagles have a quarterback. Uh, I, I would pay him uh, as quickly as possible. And here's why. Uh, when you have Lamar sitting there, and a team's going to pay Lamar Jackson. It may not be the right money. Somewhere, somewhere. pay Lamar Jackson yeah. guaranteed money. When you have Joe Burrow and you have Justin Herbert coming up, that price tag is only going to go up. <laughs> it's only going to go up. Yep. So so better now and structuring it the right way. And I'm not – I have no idea what's going on. So, I, you know, maybe the, the offers and the conversations have been made and, and Hurts wants to wait. But the sooner the better, I think, for the Eagles' sake, just considering how the ridiculous market could be coming in March, especially with – Daniel Jones thinking that $45 million is, is valuable for him. That that just shows you what he, you know, basically they think the market's going to be for the top five type of quarterback. And that, those are the quarter conversations with Lamar and now Jalen Hurts and, you know, uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. So pay them. And uh, we've got a quarterback. And, I, and that's the one answer that we got after uh, the question marks we were, we were sitting at, I think, 12 months ago coming off the Bucks loss. He was so good at the Super Bowl. Like it was ridiculous. Was, that was one of my favorite quarterback performances I've seen from an Eagles quarterback in my life. Like I think it's it's top five. It's got to be Brandon. To to your point, historic performance. He makes such a costly mistake. I know with the fumble, and the first thing Nick Sirianni does is all right. You quarterback run next yeah. play, fifteen <laughs> yards right, and then his. His mindset is, I am going to carry the team yeah. the rest of the way, and that's what you need as a leader. Kevin Agondi from ESPN. He hosts 6 p.m. news. Um, he anchors it at ESPN. I'm sure you know him. You know the face. Kevin, why don't you plug in anything you want the listeners to take a look at? 
Nope. Follow you on social media. Any of that stuff? You know, got anything to plug in? No, nope. we'll nope. see you on Sports Center at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Appreciate you joining uh, and having me uh, uh, a part of this, Brendan. Of course, man. Thanks for jumping on again. We will talk soon um, and enjoy your night.